Welcome to the Power Kid Podcast, the premier and longest running podcast focused on the modern toy and entertainment industry. Power Kid is an award-winning design and development firm, and we are a proud member of the Adventure Media and Events Podcast Network family. Adventure Media is the publisher of your favorite industry publications, including the Toy Book, the Toy Insider, and the Pop Insider. I am your host, Phil Albritton, and I bring you great conversations with talented people making amazing products for kids. Toys, books, games, TV, movies, I bring them to you here every episode. Welcome aboard. Hey, Power Kids, just want to start this show a little differently today. Last week, two very cool things happened. I found out that I had been selected by Mojo Nation as a top 100 influential figure in toy and game design. What an absolute honor to be included on that list. And thank you for your support. Thank you for the nominations. And a big thanks to Mojo Nation for organizing that list. They do a tremendous job and it's just an absolute honor to be on that list. Secondly, when I posted that information on LinkedIn, you guys came out overwhelmingly with comments and congratulations. And I just want to say thank you so much for your support and for continuing to be the best podcast audience in the world. You guys spur me on and encourage me to continue bringing you these great conversations. So I just wanted to pause for a moment and say thank you. Now on with the show. Hello, 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 Power Kids, and welcome to another Power Kid podcast. Guys, every episode, so excited to come on here, share these stories with great people making great things for kids. Eric Poses is my guest today. Let me introduce you to Eric. You have no doubt played some of his games. Eric is the owner and president of All Things Equal. It's a company in Miami Beach that focuses on creative humor based games. His titles include Loaded Questions, Loaded Answers, The Awkward Family Photos Movie Line Caption Game, The My Weird School Game. He's also got two officially licensed titles based on the cult classic film, The Big Lebowski. His games have sold over 2 million copies, and he continues to make games that bring people together and make them laugh. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Happy to be here. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, your story is phenomenal. Uh, your travels, uh, just how you have marketed your games. But I want to start in the beginning. Eric, how did you become a part of the game industry? Well, I was 23 years old and I was at the Miami International Airport waiting to pick up an ex-girlfriend, trying to think of what we might talk about. We were going to rekindle our relationship <laughs> and the, the very notion that a single question could spark an hour of discussion and could be answered in so many different ways kind of popped in my head. And that was the seed for the loaded questions game, which was my first game invention. So what happened was I was stuck on this notion that, uh, you know, a question based game. And the first question that came to mind was if you became president of the United States, What's the first thing you would do while in office? And mm. the first thing I thought of was mandatory Seinfeld viewing. It was my favorite show at the time. <laughs> and I realized you could answer that question seriously or silly or however you wanted to. 
Sure. And that question was the spark for, for the loaded questions game. So I had a really boring job at the time. I was pretty fresh out of college and I decided to quit my job and start working on this game, game concept full time. Wow. Wow. So, so take us back to that moment. You're waiting in the airport for this ex-girlfriend. What questions are you going to ask uh, and how did that go? It, it was, it was that most unromantic question, the president question where I don't know why that <laughs> popped in my head, but, but I was stuck on it. Right. Um, and that, you know, that led to me staying up till four in the morning, many nights, just writing question after question and then it turned into pizza and beer parties with friends and, and then family and testing and testing all different kinds of game concepts until I was, you know, happy with what would become the loaded questions game. Right. So and, and that's so that's the missing link there is you've, you've got these questions that can be answered. But then how do you build them into a game mechanic? How do you build them into a game metric to to measure the answers to who wins, who loses? Uh, what's your thought process when you start going down that road? You've got this kind of broad idea of interesting questions. How do you narrow that down to a particular game mechanic that you think uh, is going to work with that game? Well, I mean, everyone's got their own personality, which means everyone can answer an open-ended question in a million different ways. So the game mechanic that I focused on was guessing which player wrote down which answer to the question at hand. So if the question was, what is your greatest hidden talent? You'll probably get five very different answers and then it's up to the roller to guess which player wrote which one. So it kind of tests you on how well you know the people you're playing with. And what's great is if you're playing with family and friends who you know better, you, you might have a better chance at matching correctly. Or it works great as an icebreaker where people you're just getting to know, by the third or fourth round, you'll have a better sense of their humor and their personality. Right. That focus on the social aspect right. of the gameplay, either getting to know those people better or getting to know them at all, sitting around a table, having those conversations and, and stoking, uh, stoking the fire of conversation and, and being social. Yeah, and, and, and just great. just doing what people like to do anyway, which is talk about themselves. <laughs> you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're sitting around with friends and family. Here's an opportunity to ask and answer very fun, creative questions. And there's no pressure about knowing the answer or not. Well said. And so you, you have the game, you build the mechanic. What's your next step to manufacturing? What process did you go through to create this game at Mass? So I, you know, I graduated with a history degree from Emory University in Atlanta, no business experience. Uh, the one thing I knew I wanted to do was produce in the U.S. Um, so I found a great company um, in Illinois that could manufacture my game. And I had money saved and I borrowed the rest that I needed and produced 5,000 copies of Loaded Questions. And at the time, I was calling on every large and small store that might carry games and pretty much getting nowhere. I'm sitting in my you know, rented house with, uh, that I was sharing with a couple friends and just calling and calling people and getting nowhere. Uh, not really frustrated, but not really sure, all right, how can I change my luck here. And that's, that's when, you know, the, when the idea came in my head, all right, I'm calling these people. I'm not getting anywhere. Maybe I need to go see them. And that's what started me thinking of taking the cross country road trip that helped launch loaded questions. 
That's right. So, yeah, let, let's talk about that. In 1997, uh, you took a 16 week sales and marketing excursion across the country. Very interested in that. Want to dive into that. How did you plan for that? Uh, and tell us some of your adventures. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was 16 weeks of couch surfing and rest stops and friends couches and uh, campgrounds and anywhere that was cheap, really. My budget was nil. But what I did was I would call on the next three cities that I planned to visit. I had the yellow pages on DVD and I'd put the DVD into my laptop computer and call all the toy and game stores I could find. I'd visit with them. But what I would also do is call on the local newspaper and radio station and pitch them my story of a then 23-year-old guy driving around the country with his uh, board game idea. And thankfully, a lot of the local press responded, and the local stores would take in a case or two after I would demo the product for the managers and the staff and their customers. And it kind of worked hand-in-hand where I was getting really good press in time with the games hitting stores. So stores were selling out. I'd be getting reorders. And I was I was a busy man. It was well before I was married with kids like I am now. So I had all the time in the world to to grow this business. <laughs> and five thousand copies of the game that you had to get That's rid right. of. <laughs> you got to you got to these games. And, and they're just sitting there. So I was doing everything I could to sell them. And the initial road trip, um, I, I believe I sold about a thousand games, which I was pretty happy about. And in terms of adventures, I would say the most fortuitous adventure happened just outside of Vegas, where my dental hygienist had referred me to a cousin on the other side of her family who happened to be a former merchandising manager at Toys R Us. So Mm -hmm. I was able to go to this guy's house, play loaded questions with him and his wife. He loved the game. He referred me to the buyer in New Jersey at Toys R Us, and they were the first national company to pick up the game and essentially take my remaining inventory and and set me up for future production runs. Fantastic. Now, making those connections uh, and putting the hustle in to travel across the country, man, kudos to you. And this was at a time when the Internet was not really what it is today. And so you've got the Yellow Pages on DVD. What were the challenges of finding the right companies, the right uh, mom and pop toy stores to talk to? What are the challenges? I, I, I typically went by the name of the store. If they had a name that seemed like the right kind of store for me, I would pitch them. And I I would try not to do more than five stores in a city. And often what I would do, if if I could tell it was a really great store or they had more than one location in a given city, I would offer them exclusivity, which would then, you know, uh, limit my responsibilities where I could focus on that one chain. And they would be the ones mentioned in the newspaper article or on the radio. But that's kind of how I did it. Wow. Fantastic. What was your first toy fair like? Uh, did you start it in the launch pad oh, at Javits? It, it was before Javits. It was at the old toy building. They had temporary space there at the uh, building near the Flatiron building in New York City. And I was as green as one could be. Um, I, I set up a probably a three-foot table. Um, I had no appointments, and I relied on the very few people 
that stopped by my booth. Um, very little was accomplished in my first toy fair and probably my second toy fair. But now that I'm probably 20 toy fairs in, I'm, I'm, I'm a veteran. I kind of know how to run a booth and to schedule. But those early years were, were brutal. A lot of, lot of, de- lot of right. downtime, a lot of questioning my existence in the toy industry. Uh, but all part of the, you know, the adventure now that I look back on it. Yeah. So, so any listeners out there that are burgeoning new toy industry people, uh, just listen to Eric. It's, it might be rough those first couple of years trying to get people into your booth. Uh, but it takes time. What was it just a matter of getting your product out into the public eye and you, you saw more traffic at toy fair after that. What was the shift in bringing people into your booth when you would go to toy fairs? Well, the, the bringing of people into my booths probably happened five years into, into me starting my business. Um, I I was so focused on when it wasn't Toy Fair, calling on every account at the time. And back when I started in the late 90s, you had stores like Store of Knowledge and Learning Smith and Wizard's Chest and Gamekeeper and and FAO Schwartz. There were a lot of chains that, you know, had 20 to 100 stores. And I was focused on those accounts. I was working with Toys R Us and things were going great. I I knew I wasn't ready for Target or Walmart at that time, but I I had a real focus on specialty, especially the larger specialty chains. I I quickly realized probably by year three, how much work is involved preparatory wise before Toy Fair in terms of really getting people to your booth. So let's talk about the awkward family photos game. This is really intriguing to me because it, it takes an internet meme, an internet kind of viral sensation, and turns it into a game. Um, did you have to license that from someone that was already established as the website? Uh, what was the process of creating that game and getting it out into the world? Yeah, I'm, I'm in my ninth year of a license agreement with awkwardfamilyphotos.com. Uh, which is a a great and very popular website run by two guys who happen to be my age, very similar sensibilities and approach to business. And we hit it off from the start. And I'm currently in my fourth iteration of the game, which uh, is a greatest hits game. The the website kind of curated their 100 best photos for this edition, um, which just hit target a couple months ago. Um, And... It is a, a viral sensation. The, the Awkward Family Photos brand is very strong ac- across social media. They get millions of visitors to their website each month, and they've just been a great partner. And they fall right in line with the kind of games that I like to develop, which are humor-based games that anyone can play. This particular game uses hundreds of memorable movie lines. You don't need to know anything about movies to play where you're using the movie lines to caption the photo that's in play. Great, Eric. So what you're saying is it's very important to find partners that will support you in licenses uh, that make sense for your brand. Let's talk about the Big Lebowski game. What is it about the Big Lebowski movie that to you made sense as a game? What's what's the history there? Yeah, well, the Big Lebowski is uh, one of my favorite movies. I, I love the characters. I love the dialogue. I love the direction. It's it's a cult classic. It has such a loyal audience. And I wanted to create a game not just for that audience, but for people that have 
never been exposed to the Big Lebowski. So the two Big Lebowski games I created, you don't need to have ever seen the movie to play or enjoy or win the game. I approached NBC Universal a couple of years ago. I let them know what my concept was. I presented them some artwork that I thought would work well for, for the games that I wanted to package. And we hit it off and we struck a license agreement. The, the first Big Lebowski game is a branded loaded questions game where it's questions I created based on the movie. For example, the dude's favorite drink is a white Russian. If you were at a bar right now, what would you order? So you get some context from the movie and then a loaded question inspired by that tidbit about the movie. Nice. And you don't have to be a fan of or have even seen the movie. Is that right? You don't. I think you'll be very encouraged to watch the movie, though, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> and, and if you're one of the true fans like I am, you'll probably want to watch it for the millionth time after playing the game. That's great. You, you don't include like a digital download of the movie in, in the box. That seems like a, it'd be a nice fit. That would be nice. That's not included. White Russians are not included. Uh, <laughs> it's just a party game, man. Fun. No, that sounds great. One of the things that you're really good at is reinventing your games, kind of uh, rebranding, reinventing, coming up with multiple versions of the same game. What are the challenges of doing that and how, how do you keep it fresh? Yeah, I, I, every version of Loaded Questions or other game that I might create a new version for I like to include um, classic content, but a lot of additional content. I change up the artwork. I might change up some of the mechanics just to keep the game fresh. And down the road, in two years, it'll be the 25th anniversary edition of the Loaded Questions brand. Wow. And I'm looking to do a few greatest hits editions for kids, for families, for adults, which will include new content. I mean, I'm... It, for me, it's become very easy to look around a room and come up with 20 questions that would be well-suited for a loaded questions game. Uh, and in terms of the artwork, I've worked with a variety of different artists down, you know, in the last 22 years um, to keep the game looking fresh and interesting, but still you know, maintaining the look of a loaded questions game. Absolutely. Uh, so from 1997 to now, a lot has changed especially in the marketing of, of games today, what is the most effective way in your mind to market a new game? And, and how has that changed from 1997? Are you still doing road trips? I, I bought an RV about five years ago. <laughs> nice. That I decaled with all the games. So it was completely <laughs> covered with loaded questions and awkward family photos and the other titles. And I actually took, two eight-week trips uh, in consecutive summers with my family where we went to national parks, we went to baseball games, but I also had a bunch of meetings set up and promotional events and was passing out card packs to people. And I'd love to get back on the road. I, I don't know if my family life or work life would allow for another adventure like that, uh, but getting out there and really meeting with the people that run the mom and pop stores, customers buying the games, meeting with my large accounts, and just on the thousands of miles I'm driving on the highways around the country, getting that visual of the games for everyone that drives by me, to me, seems like, you know, a, a great way to get the brands out there. 
And aside from that, I, I do a lot of spending on social media. Um, I, I'm not great at it. I'm almost 46. So, you know, I rely on the advice of millennials who are much better than me at that. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's, that's kind of how I get the games out there. But I really hope another RV trip is in my future. Yeah, for sure. How do you quantify the success of those trips? You're out there, you're meeting and greeting the fans, you're making new relationships. Do you drive them back to a Facebook page? Uh, where do you encourage them to go to buy the games? Um, what, what are you talking about on your on your road trips with your with your new and established fan base? Well, I would first of all say it's successful if I don't get into an accident and if I'm if I'm having a good time along the way. It's uh, a, a good litmus test. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That, that, that. That's key. <laughs> uh, but I do drive people to loadedquestions.com. Um, it, it's really hard to measure the ROI aside from personal happiness. Um, you know, <laughs> if I'm at an event, though, and I'm talking to 50 people, that's 50 new people exposed to the game. So to me, that's a win. I'm not so data driven with something as grand as that. As long as I'm being productive have solid meetings along the way, get to know a lot of the people who are merchandising my products or buying my products. Um, that, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Well, and, and let me tell you, personal happiness is a great ROI. That's a good good way to measure it. What are you excited about for the future? Do you have any games uh, up and coming that you can talk about or hint at? Well, I'm, I'm very sad to report that the My Weird School game I developed, um, that license is coming to an end. So okay. I am looking to uh, bring in another popular kids brand um, as a game, possibly for next year, more likely for 2021. Uh, next year, I, I definitely have two very adult games launching, not suitable for work, not suitable for kids. Uh that, that's, that those have been labor of love projects that uh, should launch uh, around August of 2020. I try to develop one to three new games a year, and, and, this, and this coming year will be no different. Wonderful. Well, Eric, look forward to that. How can people reach out to you, uh, stay in touch, find out about the new games, just get involved? If you go to loadedquestions.com, all of our social media uh, pages can be accessed from there. You can always email me, and that's done from the contact page on the website. Um, all my information's there. I, I love helping out uh, new game inventors because I had a lot of help when I started, and that, that's the best place to go, loadedquestions.com. Well, guys, check it out. Eric, thank you for coming on the show. This has been a fantastic conversation. Really good information, kind of behind the scenes of a successful game entrepreneur. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Phil. Been a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thank you for tuning in to the Power Kid Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe so that you never miss an episode and leave a good review on iTunes. This helps us find more great listeners just like you. Remember also to check out the other shows that are a part of the Adventure Media and Events Podcast Network family. This show is brought to you by the Power Kid Design and Development Team. We are a full-service design and development studio serving the toy and game industry for over 20 years. Our partners, large and small, rely on us for invention, concept development, packaging, branding, prototyping, and much more. You can find me on my LinkedIn page, 
Check out the website at PowerKidDesign.com or email me directly, phil at PowerKidDesign.com. I am always happy to connect and help you develop your next great product. It's been an honor to spend this time with you today. Now go out and make something great. And remember, you are creative because you were created. God bless, and I'll see you next episode.